We really do not have an effective treatment for hormone refractory prostate cancer. Could a paradoxical treatment with high-dose testosterone hold the key to a cure? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. Joining us is Walter M. Stadler, MD, Professor of Medicine, Director, Genital Urinary Program, and Associate Dean of Clinical Research at the University of Chicago Medical Center. Dr. Stadler is an expert in prostate, kidney, bladder, and testicular cancers. He joins us to talk about his research using testosterone for non-metastatic hormone refractory prostate cancer. Dr. Stadler, welcome to Reach MD. Glad to be here. Tell us about your research and clinical practice background. So I completed my residency in general internal medicine in Chicago at Michael Reese Hospital and then joined the University of Chicago in 1991 as a fellow in oncology to get my advanced training in cancer medicine and have stuck around at this institution ever since, having concentrated on treating patients with kidney, bladder, prostate, and uh, testicular malignancies and conducting uh, clinical research in drug development and development of novel therapeutic approaches for these patients. Besides your clinical practice and your research practice, do you have administrative responsibilities that you do at the university? Yes, I have a number of administrative responsibilities. I oversee our clinical program for these particular patients in regards to the nurses, data managers, and junior faculty who participate in the treatment and research activities in genital urinary oncology. And I also hold the role as Associate Dean of Clinical Research, which is a position designed to facilitate clinical research activities in the entire uh, medical center. So tell us a little bit about your current research and what led you to propose this as a potential cure for this cancer. So the idea actually stems from fundamental laboratory research done at this institution by a a Dr. Shutsung Liao uh, more than a decade ago. And Dr. Liao demonstrated in the laboratory that prostate cancer cells when placed in a dish or in an animal, will grow only in the presence of the male hormone testosterone, and that when testosterone is removed from the system, that the majority of the cancer cells will die or stop their growth. Paradoxically, when these cells are left in such an androgen-depleted environment, they will begin to grow again just as they will in patients, and treating such what we call castrate-resistant cells with testosterone will lead once again to a cell death and growth inhibition. And this was then replicated in a number of labs and in a number of different systems. So where does that take us in the idea of putting together a clinical trial? So this is a highly you know, paradoxical and somewhat uh, controversial idea because for the last uh, half century, the mainstay of treatment for prostate cancer has been a removal of testosterone or castration, either medical or surgical. And testosterone has always been considered a bad thing in patients with prostate cancer. 
And the idea here is that perhaps in certain situations it could be a good thing. And we've been thinking about and are now conducting some clinical trials to specifically evaluate that situation. So if I understand what you described earlier from the lab research, you first treat a patient by removing as much testosterone as you can, and that stops most of the cells from either continuing to grow or they die. Then you're left with a subset of cells that maybe weren't receptive to testosterone and didn't need it to survive, and then you inundate them with testosterone, and that kills them. In part, I think that more accurately, though, what happens is that cells adapt to this low testosterone environment. And one of the things that has been learned over the last several years is that one way they adapt is by upregulating and overexpressing the androgen receptor, the receptor that binds and mediates the actions of testosterone. And with that increased androgen receptor, then these cells, when exposed back to normal testosterone levels, instead of having a proliferative response, will actually have a growth inhibitory response. Now, what percentage of prostate cancer patients become hormone refractory non-metastatic? So the majority of patients, if they live long enough, will become hormone refractory, and I prefer the term actually castrate-resistant because hormonal manipulations can still be helpful in patients such as this, but they tend to have progressive disease despite the fact that they are castrate or despite the fact that the testosterone levels are abnormal. Typically, this occurs two to four years after castration or standard hormonal therapy. And is this still an effective issue with patients that have a prostatectomy or radiation therapy or other treatments? Well, certainly, because what we're talking about here is treatment for metastatic or presumed metastatic disease. It's sometimes a little bit of a complex concept because patients undergo their primary therapy with either surgery or radiation with an intent to cure. And in those patients in whom this is not successful, the first indication of recurrent disease is typically a rise in their PSA. We know that such a rise in the PSA indicates further growth of cancer, but we can often not typically detect the cancer using our current technology of CT and bone scans. And that's where this term non-metastatic recurrent cancer comes from. It's really non-metastatic only in the context of our current technology. We know that the cells are there and have spread. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I am speaking with Dr. Walter M. Stadler, Professor of Medicine, Director of Genital Urinary Program, and Associate Dean of Clinical Research at the University of Chicago Medical Center about testosterone therapy for prostate cancer. How many patients were in the Phase one trial when you initially tested this, and what was the outcome of that research? So the initial study that we did to test this concept was simply to do a phase one trial to see whether it is safe. Because this was somewhat controversial, we took patients who did not have overt evident metastatic disease on their bone scan or CT scan and gave them testosterone and gave them one of three doses, essentially low, medium, and high. 
There are only 15 patients in that trial, but what we were able to demonstrate is that the treatment was safe. We didn't have any significant adverse events, and that we saw a few patients in whom the PSA first rose a bit and then appeared to stabilize, at least in one patient, for as long as a year. Whether that lack of growth is because our hypothesis is correct and the testosterone led to the inhibition of growth or whether this was just an anomaly in one particular patient is something that is the subject of our current trial. And is it your thought that the high testosterone doses actually just stop the cells from continuing to grow or do they cause cell death and a reduction in the amount of cancer in the body? I think they cause some cell death, but the preclinical studies and the laboratory studies suggest that the primary effect is likely to be inhibition of growth. And probably the best analogy kind of goes back to the fetal development of the prostate gland where testosterone is required for the prostate gland to grow, but testosterone is also necessary for differentiation of the prostate gland into its glandular structure, and that is accompanied by uh, growth arrest. Describe in detail for us the current clinical research project, the number of patients, how long the treatment is, what kinds of doses they're getting, how long you're going to be looking at this, what other details are important. So what we are doing is seeking patients whose PSA is rising after standard hormonal therapy, after standard castration, whose PSA is between the levels of 3 and 30, and who do not have obvious evident cancer on standard bone scan and CT scan. These patients are then going to be randomized to testosterone given as a gel and a patch versus a placebo patch, and a total of 120 patients will be randomized and observed until their PSA triples from baseline. The tripling of the PSA is a bit of an arbitrary number as well, but we know that testosterone will increase PSA secretion even if there's no increase in the total tumor burden. But once uh, PSA rises from, let's say, 25 to 75, most patients and doctors get a little bit nervous, and so that's the point at which we would stop. And we will then determine whether the time until the PSA triples is longer in that group of patients treated with testosterone as opposed to placebo. What's the typical treatment for patients in that situation as their PSA goes up these days? So the standard treatment is one of three things. Uh, Patients could receive alternative hormonal therapies, for example, the female hormone estrogen, which uh, has been associated with cardiovascular and cerebrovascular toxicities and thromboses. They could be treated with simple observation because they are usually asymptomatic or standard chemotherapy with uh, docetaxel-based chemotherapy, which has been demonstrated to improve survival, but is associated with its own set of toxicities. And do you think at some point if this testosterone treatment bears out that it'll be done in conjunction with other things, or would this just be a interim therapy, or might it be a a long-term therapy for chronic management? I think that even in the best of all circumstances, it would be a temporary therapy 
but temporary in this case may even be a few years. And since we're talking about often elderly men who have other medical issues and who may have significant side effects from the hormone therapy, such as muscle wasting and bone loss, even a short period of testosterone treatment that controls the cancer, I think could have a major benefit on their quality of life. Sometimes a treatment is staring us in the face, but our preconceptions prevent us from seeing it. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Walter M. Stadler, Professor of Medicine, Director of Genity Urinary Program, and Associate Dean of Clinical Research at the University of Chicago Medical Center for describing his groundbreaking paradoxical testosterone therapy for prostate cancer. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that repurposes existing treatments for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Stay on top of the latest medical topics by visiting our new website at ReachMD.com, where we welcome your questions and comments. Use the promotion code RADIO when registering online and receive six months of complete access to our on-demand library of podcasts. And thank you for listening.